right. So lecture third. Um, I mean, like all my lectures are my favorites, right? But <laughs> like lecture third this time was, was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I still think two and five are my all-time favorites but I mean lecture third there's there's so much in here that is lecture so two I was talking about it in primary today I was wishing I knew about it when the old testament started but yeah. I was telling one of the mommies like this is what this is about and she's looking at me like you're right because I said <laughs> aren't these old testament stories just wild to teach these little kids because they just look at you like yeah, what? <laughs> How could that guy be that tall? Because when we did David and Goliath, I actually had a slingshot with this giant head up on clear up on the wall, and they got to whack it. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and and then they're like, "How is how how is he a giant?" Or they'll ask me, "How did Adam and Noah and those guys live to be so old?" Like. And I don't know how to explain it. And now I do. Mm -hmm. So I explained it to a mom and told her to teach her two kids. They're in my class. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lectures on faith. <coughs> uh, these lectures are so valuable. Um, the uh, the class at Education Week on, on lectures, it was just a, a one-time class. It wasn't throughout the week or whatever. But I mean, it was such a, a quick run through and it was like, these things are pretty much antiquated, but you know, there's still some gems there that we can glean or whatever. And I'm just like, <laughs> lectures are everything. Like uh, all seven of them are so key to our understanding of, of deity and our relationship with God and being able to, to part the veil. And I mean, anyway, if they were antiquated, we wouldn't be well, quoting them all the time. You know, I, I just had my temple recommend uh, interview a week ago and so I'm talking to the bishop, Rick, and chit-chatting, and yeah, I'm reading the lectures on faith, and they just kind of like, don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't think yeah. he did. And then, so I go into the stake president, and again, chit-chat a little, and they were just looking at me like I was an alien. <laughs> oh, look, never mind. But <laughs> it's so interesting. Like It is, it is interesting. It's like, Kind of feel like a lone person on an island in Oregon. <laughs> I'm not in the middle of Crater Lake right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And then when you do start talking, like if you do have some of the different quotes, right? Like um, mm -hmm. uh, some of lecture third here is is highly quoted and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, that's where they came from." It's like, yeah, you should probably dive into them sometime. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. like even when. Like I was talking about the words of Joseph Smith and holy cow, those are so good. I started listening to you first and then I just started reading them mm -hmm. in spare time. And There's some you know, deep stuff. I, that you talk I was about. talking to my sister and she's like, we're not supposed to talk about that. That's why this guy she used to follow, I think it was James Prout. That's why he got excommunicated. And I'm like, no, he probably got excommunicated for something else. If he even did get ex, who knows if he really did, right? Mm -hmm. Because she says, "Don't be looking at that kind of stuff." And I'm like, <laughs> "Don't look at this." Telling us to. <laughs> and she finally yeah. said, "You're right," <laughs> but it, I had to kind of argue with her a little bit. Because mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, Smith, if, if there's anybody that's the one that we can study with full confidence, right? Yeah, she was studying and doing kind of, but then she was feeling like she was about to get excommunicated for some reason hmm. for, for seeking that. And I'm like, no, seek it. Yeah, seek it full on. Right, go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, I was happy I get to talk to my sister now a little bit about that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, anytime that a breakthrough. <laughs> just a little bit of a lead. Take yeah. Um, so kind of diving into the, the first section here. I really loved um with Romans 10 14 there in, in verse one. These three questions that kind of piggyback off of each other. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of, of Alma, but um it says, how then 
shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or one sent to tell them? So then faith comes by hearing the word of God. As we learned in, in section two, or lecture second, <laughs> get all my terminology, yeah. um, lecture second there, I mean, everything is passed down from human testimony, mm -hmm. from Adam's experience with God. No one would know had Adam not shared that experience and testimony and uh, everything. And so if we don't have a preacher in order to hear, then we don't have any sort of foundation for belief. And how can we call on something that we don't believe? And so all of that is so necessary. And with that under our belt, then verse two, let us here observe that three things are necessary in order that any rational and intelligent being may exercise faith in God unto life and salvation. And so it's first the idea that he actually exists, which we get from human testimony only, right? Secondly, a correct idea of his character, perfections, and attributes, which again, we get from human testimony. And then thirdly, an actual knowledge that the course of life which he is pursuing is according to his will. So I don't know, that third one always used to trip me up, but yet really wrestling with that that kind of a paradox because it seems like you're kind of putting the ox before the cart but how can we have an actual knowledge that the course of life we're pursuing is according to his will unless we have faith but then yet here it is the principle of faith in order to you have to have an actual knowledge before you can have faith like it just seems like such a, a conundrum but anyway i love wrestling with that idea because these are like kind of the three pillars upon which faith is um predicated and and all of it's based on on human testimony someone else going hey i've experimented with this and it works <clears throat> so where god knows the beginning from the end like i think he knows how we're gonna mess up right because he's seen mm -hmm. it so i'm like okay well i'm gonna trick him <laughs> <laughs> Dude something above and beyond what he thought I would do I don't know I yep. keep thinking about what if I really did mess up and I'm one of the elect that gets deceived or you know stuff like that mm -hmm. no I'm gonna dig in and just really surprise him <laughs> you guys ever think like that, that. yep yeah so. I you know I think that there's um different phases and things that we go through that um must I like a, a this omnibenevolent god must just kind of look at us sometimes and like all right let's do it <laughs> oh i heard the omni word in elder cook's devotional word yeah i was like i listened to it twice <laughs> i did catch little snippets of breadcrumbs that were left around the internet mm -hmm. but it was the oh. omni Oh, it's one I never use. Luminescent? I can't remember. I don't even know how to say it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember there was an Omni, but I... I, I know, and I, was, I, I my little ears are like, oh. How's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> was that? Omnificent? Uh, it was one I... There's two of them that I don't really ever use in my vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Omni... I'll have to go back and look through that now. No, I was like, wait, did I hear that right? So I rewound it and then I did. We're telling us <laughs> yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, once you like hear it, then it's like, oh, they've been using it all along. They use it all the time. It feels like we're in one of those mystery games, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a treasure hunt. It's, mm -hmm. Or, you know, what do they call them? Where you have to go into the room and figure out all the clues to get out of the room. Uh, like an escape room kind of thing. Escape room, yeah. We're in an escape world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they figure out all the clues. Then you can all the clues and see if you can make it out. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a that's a great analogy. That's how I'm always thinking of it. I'm like, okay, we're in this little dome. <laughs> can we get out? Yeah. Sorry, I'm being too long. <laughs> love that. Um. <clears throat> So along with that, thirdly, kind of finishing out that verse there, 
that we have an actual knowledge that the course of life which he is pursuing is according to his will. For without an acquaintance with these three important facts, the faith of every rational being must be imperfect and unproductive. But without this understanding, it can become perfect and fruitful. And like, it just kind of brought back to mind, like, uh, when Christ is saying, be ye perfect. Um, like, is this kind of part of what he's referring to? That we have the, the, this promise here from, from Joseph Smith, who's ever writing this. But, but with this understanding, it can become perfect and fruitful. I think that they kind of go hand in hand there. Mm -hmm. um i'm trying to like hit on different points that we didn't do in group a <laughs> but um because we really dove hard into the to the last part here so yeah, it was good um so good so yeah i think verse seven was probably one of my my favorites here from the, the first section um again hopefully it's not boring but i'm just going to read because <laughs> there's a, a lot in this i highlighted the whole thing so it's yeah <laughs> um as we have been indebted to a revelation which god made of himself to his creatures so we're talking about adam and, and that in the, well adam and eve in the first instance for the idea of his existence so in like manner we are indebted to the revelations which he has given to us for a correct understanding of his character, perfections, and attributes, because without the revelations which he has given to us, no man by searching could find out God. Right. And then from Corinthians there, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of God, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. And so I was pondering on this of uh, kind of the conundrum where everything we have is from human testimony and human testimony only, right? I mean, that's right. what lecture second was about. And so where does the spirit fit into this? Because there are certain things that are communicated to us through human testimony and then there are certain things that are revealed to us through either the holy spirit or the holy ghost right and so when it says here god hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of god so can the holy ghost essentially be our preacher then at certain points versus like human testimony and so anyway it was an interesting like conundrum or or question to like take to the lord and be like so what's the the role of this am i understanding it correctly and like where is the the preacher human testimony versus spirit because the spirit is a testifier of truth right, right. i mean that's the, a function of the holy ghost hmm. and so does it need to be communicated to us from a preacher or a human and then the spirit ratifies you know and like testifies that's true whatever they're said or can, is it possible for us to not have any interactions with anybody who does testify of God, the existence, character, anything, and just have the spirit purely teach us? Is that in the cards? Is that a plan? Is that a backup plan kind of a thing? Or is it purely on human testimony and then the spirit just gratifies? Like, I don't know. There's It's both. Yeah. Either or. And so I found that um, verse seven there very interesting to kind of take that and apply it back on the, the back of lecture second in, in all of them. Um, so let's take a, a look at, at verse nine and 10 because um, the, the verses there in 13 through 18 clearly delineate first, second, third, and everything, but they are all predicated upon these scriptures that are quoted in verse 9 and 10. So let's just kind of take a look at those. It says that Moses gives us the following account in Exodus 34, and the Lord passed by before him, 
and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. So that's an interesting one right there because if we're just doing human testimony as the basis for, for God, so Moses must already have had a testimony before just receiving a theophany, right? Uh, beholding God passing by before him. And so it's it's interesting the background that must happen before that takes place. But yet it's it's clearly recorded there in Exodus 34. Mm -hmm. And then it continues on with Psalm 103. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. You know, how many times do we hear, yeah, it's an angry God of the Old Testament. Like he's just full of wrath and justice there. But if he's the same yesterday, today, forever, you know, that we learned throughout this lecture, the Lord is merciful, and, and Psalms does give us this. Lord, The Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. I think that that's a, a very key thing to hone in on as we are learning and teaching the Old Testament, right? That some of the things are sometimes kind of hard to understand or hear or whatever, but, you know, it's, it's a kind of a crazy time. I mean, you just get stoned for anything back then. Yeah. <laughs> but um, these Psalms, these were in our come follow me this week. Yeah. In this number nine. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It just keeps being pretty cool when it all keeps lining up like it does. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like we're studying certain things on the exact week that, that come yeah. doing. Yep. as Lots. I was going yeah. through the, the calendar for, for next year and stuff, it was like, holy cow, there are some stuff that's lining up so serendipitously. Like it, it, it's very fun to look at how the Lord is in the details. Yeah. Nice. Um. So the next, well, I mean, it's still Psalm 103. It says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children to keep or, or let's see to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. Then it switches over to Psalm 90 before the mountains were brought forth forever. Thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. Then it goes into Hebrews chapter one. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shall thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Then it transitions into James. Every good gift... And every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And then Malachi, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Um, all right. Yeah, bear with me. There's one more verse. <laughs> so in the book of commandments, which I think it's so interesting that these lectures on faith are referencing the book of commandments and the book of commandments are referencing lectures on faith. I mean, they're, they're meant to be companion books. Um, chapter two, commencing in the third line for God doth not walk in crooked paths. Neither doth he turn to the right hand or to the left. Neither doth he ferry from that, which he has said. Therefore his paths are straight and his course is one eternal round. Listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, even alpha and omega, the beginning and the end whose course is one eternal round, the same today as yesterday and forever. And so, I mean, it just really emphasizes the fact that God doesn't change. That, I mean, he is the same, even though as we look throughout all scriptures, it sometimes appears that he does change right as we're we're going along but yet we're the only ones that are varying and his law has to um be applied policies change kind of thing but but yet god is not changing he is the same 
And so sometimes we have to wrestle with that in our own lives and in our own testimonies, right? And saying, okay, he is the same, even though sometimes we might not apply it to ourselves. Well, he's the same for everybody else, but not for me. Um, I think that's a, a key point that's being brought out here. But um, transitioning over to, to verse 23 from all of that unchangingness, right? I think this is one of my favorite verses of all the lectures because it's just so filled with faith and hope in our own personal progress. Um, it says, yeah, I, I think we just got to read the whole thing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading a lot, but there's so many key fun points here. It says, but it is also necessary that men should have an idea that he is no respecter of persons. For with the idea of all the other excellencies in his character and this one wanting, men could not exercise faith in him. So even if you had all of the other five bullet points spot on, if you don't have this one, it's all lost, right? So it says, because if he were a respecter of persons, they could not tell what their privileges were, nor how far they were authorized to exercise faith in him, or whether they were even authorized to do it at all but all must be confusion so i think that that's that, that's huge right there <laughs> um you know we've had multiple conference talks and and people talking about how far beneath our privileges we're living uh many times and and here it says if we believe that god is a respecter of persons that he does act differently towards one than he does another then we don't we can't tell what our privileges are or how far we're authorized to exercise faith in him or if we're even authorized to do it at all. Like how many times have we heard people say, or even ourselves like, oh yeah, like the prophets see God or even sometimes it goes so far as, I don't know if the prophets see God, that must just be an old Testament thing. Like he acts different then than he does now. But when it comes down to it, if we truly understand and have faith in this principle that he is no respecter of persons, he doesn't treat people differently, then we can have faith in the privileges that are ours to be had and, and boldly go to, what is it, the throne of God? or Anyway, I'm misquoting that, but um, anyway, boldly approach God and petition the the privileges and uh, be authorized to act in faith. I think that that's so key there. Um, and and here's the timing of everything. It says, if 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 all of this is is that way and it's all confusion, but no sooner are the minds of men made acquainted with the truth on this point that he is no respecter of persons, than they see that they have authority by faith to lay hold on eternal life, the richest boon of heaven, because God is no respecter of persons, and that every man in every nation has an equal privilege. So it, it comes down to us and our unbelief. Like, no sooner can we work that out that he will be able to grant us the vision that we have authority by faith to lay hold on eternal life. I, I think that that's so key there in, in all of that it's something that we all wrestle with, right? Like, yeah, the atonement works and, and we see it in scriptures, how it applies to everybody. But, you know, I don't know. My timing must just be off or, you know, God's just not answering my prayers or, or whatever. Everything applies to everybody else, but not to, the, to me. So God must be a respecter of persons and, and treats me differently than, than everyone else. Um, but as soon as we can fix that, that unbelief in our perceptions and in our minds and in our character as soon as we do that he will grant us the vision to see the authority we have to act in faith i think that's such an incredible promise uh coming out of verse 23 there um anyway sorry i'm like reading a lot <laughs> what do you guys have to say <laughs> what's things stood out to you from from lecture third 
I already said a whole bunch, so I'm quiet so everybody else can talk. I know those that are joining us for this one, like Tracy and me and my mom were all in group A. And so we've all discussed this already. So this is like a second hash. Sorry. <laughs> but if nobody wants to say anything, I do want to just keep trying to wrap my head around one eternal round. So is that, and this goes back to the arrival movie, <laughs> the circle. It's all related, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, Starting to come into focus for me. Yeah, exactly. It's mind blowing. It's in that yeah. movie. <laughs> do I still have that up? I don't know if I do. Um, so like King Follett's sermon or whatever, because I think that that's oh, yeah. just. I was thinking on that as we were in between um, groups tonight or whatever. I was like, man, there's some amazing things there. You got that off the church website, didn't you? Uh-huh, yeah. So, um, let's see. It's in the May 1971. Wow. Okay, I haven't looked it up yet. I did write it down, though. Um, Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes it takes me a second to find it. Um, you can call it. So, um, in reference to number ten. Where, about, where is it in the lectures? The one eternal round. Verse ten. Verse ten. Yeah. It starts so, out the middle way through. Book yeah, of so, commandments. Anyway. Therefore, his paths are straight and his course is one eternal round. And um, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, whose course is one eternal round, the same today as yesterday and forever. So taking a look at King Follett's sermon, um, it's a, a funeral address um, for King Follett. And, um, you know, obviously at a funeral, you talk about body and spirit and soul and all that, right? And so he says, I want to reason more on the spirit of man, for I am dwelling on the body and spirit of man, on the subject of the dead. So I take my ring from my finger and liken it unto the mind of man. So like sometimes we, we hyper-focus on the, uh, that one eternal around is God, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Alpha and Omega, you know, he is the same yesterday and today and forever but it's interesting here that he likens it unto the mind of man the immortal part of man because it had no beginning suppose you cut it in two then it has a beginning and an end but then you join this ring together again and it continues one eternal round so it is with the spirit of man and so taking a look at that like this existence here on this planet earth as we have agreed to come down and gain bodies and everything we're effectively taking our our spirit which is like a ring a, a circle and cutting it in two not necessarily dividing it but marking it as in okay here's our mortal existence now we're born and we're going to be there till we die and so we're taking a, a portion of that ring and putting an aspect of time to it, which is just kind of a human mortal thing. You know, God doesn't work in that. So as we take that and split it, but then we join it back together again, and it continues one eternal round as if it had never been split. So with the spirit of man, as the Lord liveth, if it had a beginning, it will have an end. I mean, that that's a law, right? And then he goes on to to call out other people so all the fools and learned wise men from the beginning of creation who say that the spirit of man has had a beginning prove that it must have an end and if that doctrine is true then the doctrine of annihilation would be true but if i am right i might with boldness proclaim from the housetops that god never had the power to create the spirit of man at all god himself could not create himself Intelligence is eternal and exists upon a self-existent principle. 
It is a spirit from age to age, and there is no creation about it. All the minds and spirits that God ever sent into the world are susceptible of enlargement. Um, yeah, let me read the next two paragraphs, because we didn't cover those in group A, but I think that they continue a lot. Mm -hmm. The first principles of man are self-existent with God. God himself, finding he was in the midst of spirits of glory, because he was more intelligent, saw proper to institute laws whereby the rest could have a privilege to advance like himself, which sounds a lot like Davidic covenant principles that we draw upon here in, in this life, right? Mm -hmm. He saw proper to institute laws. The relationship we have with God places us in a situation to advance in knowledge. He has power to institute laws to instruct the weaker intelligences that they may be exalted with himself so that they might have one glory upon another and all that knowledge, power, and glory, and intelligence, which is requisite in order to save them in the world of spirits. This is good doctrine. <laughs> I love that. It tastes good. I can taste the principles of eternal life and so can you. And so, I mean, does that tasting somehow reference the, the tree of life? Mm, yeah. They are given to me by the revelations of Jesus Christ. I mean, that that's a huge sentence right there. And I know that when I tell you these words of eternal life as they are given to me, you taste them. I know that you believe them. You say honey is sweet and so do I. I can also taste the spirit of eternal life. I know that it is good. And when I tell you of these things, which were given to me by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so here there are revelations of Jesus Christ and inspiration of Holy Spirit. Like this paragraph is then a chiastic structure that we can plug things back in. Anyway, when I tell you of these things, which are given to me of inspiration by the Holy Spirit, you are bound to receive them as sweet and rejoice more and more. Isn't this such a powerful yeah. um, discourse? Like the King Follett sermon, we should probably actually do that as a book club. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. man, there's so many um, things in there. So the Holy Spirit, that, that means that's directly from Christ, that he's Correct. saying that. Yeah, Holy Spirit is Christ. Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost, right? Right. And so the revelation in us are just screaming, God, figure it out. <laughs> You're getting closer. You're warm. Yeah. And so uh, like what else says in the chat, I always thought it had to do with as God once was man can become. And so I'm assuming that's like referring to the one eternal round principle. And so like, it's just one e uh, just a new generation so like there's a god that finds himself in the midst of uh, in here it says weaker spirits right and so he's like oh okay so i want to help them become like me and so we're going to go through a round um this round does have a beginning and an end to to some degree but in in reality it's all present and it's all a a moving, progressing round of eternity. And so, okay, so we're going to cut this ring in half and we're going to send them to a mortal probation where time is is very fixed and um, it, it's a different way of, of looking at it. So you're going to go down and then you're going to come back and then we're going to join that ring back together with the resurrection, putting body and soul okay. or body and spirit. And, and you'll see that you are now, like uh, El says, as God once was, man can become that. Now you're you're back, and now we get to do it all over again. You get to find yourself in the midst of of weaker spirits, and institute your own laws so that they might become likened to you as you have grown. And so it's just this constant progression. It's an upward spiral. What was the word that Leslie helix? Or whatever you know it's oh, just yeah. yes oh. we can divide the ring so that we can mark out you know specific moments of time or or measurements or whatever but but it's always meant to come back together it's never meant to just stay beginning and end 
I cannot wait for the veil to lift so we can be like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why did you I... just tell me? <laughs> I would hate that it had an end. And all of a sudden, that was like my reoccurring nightmare as I was a kid, right? Like, wow, it ends. But no, it just goes on and on, mm -hmm. which is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. And so, like, taking a look at, at this and what is God's work in his glory to bring to pass the eternal life, immortality and eternal life of all men mm -hmm. and taking a look at that and applying these six principles from uh, his characters, perfections and attributes, right? So first that he was a God before the world was created and the same God was after it was created. So, I mean, it, it didn't change his status as a God. He's the same one. Secondly, that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in goodness, and that he was so from everlasting to everlasting. So I think that everlasting to everlasting verbiage there that's constantly throughout lecture third is interesting in the one eternal round principle because it's kind of the demarcation. Like we're starting a new round, but yet it's still just one eternal round. And um, from everlasting to everlasting to everlasting, on, on greater and greater. Okay, um, I'm starting to get it now. Thank levels. Thirdly, he changes not. Fourthly, he's a God of truth, cannot lie. Fifthly, he's no respecter of persons. And sixthly, that he's love. Like those things are all so key and they all have to work together. Like it said in the 26 or whatever, 23, 23, yeah. that even if you have all the other five in in perfect alignment, if you don't have one, it all falls. Like you have to have a complete view of who God is in order to, to be able to, to exercise that, that faith unto life and salvation as it keeps talking about. It's so fun. I, I just, <laughs> I love it. And then like we were saying at the beginning, right? Like you just go and mentions lectures on faith to, to anyone is just kind of like glazed over it's like oh man there's so much fun stuff in here i think lectures on faith and, and king follett sermon were the the two things on the coffee table in the mission home that i mean i was just like i mean it blew my mind because as missionaries we're very restricted like you read jesus yeah, Christ, sure. our search for happiness like the four books that's it and then these things are on the coffee table and i'm just like well okay what how have <laughs> i never heard of these i mean that that's on my mom she did no, i'm just kidding <laughs> but like i had never even heard of them let alone read them and anyway it was blowing my mind and then how many years ago was that and i'm finally starting to grasp them in you know who started introducing them to me was tammy usalak hall yeah because it was um, Doctrine and Covenants, of course, you study where the School of the Prophets was, and, and she actually stuck them in the podcast, oh. wanting us all to read them like in a heartbeat, you know, uh -huh. like one sitting type of thing. And, and I did, and I was like, I need more than this. So yeah. when you offered it, I was all over it because I think I was being prompted. Now I look back, I'm like, yeah, you were, you dummy. <laughs> Two it years ago. Season, <laughs> no, a year ago. It was a year ago. Mm -hmm. It's all getting all jumbly with me now. So has she done like come follow me since the beginning, like with New Testament uh, stuff or yes, and they're so good. Remember, I kept sending them to you. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I remember like reading those well, and stuff, but well, for some reason so... sometimes it's hard without like knowing them or like I know kind of thing. But I've totally connected. Now I'm like, okay, now I got to go back and watch. He has all the authors you love on, but you know? <laughs> sometimes there's some stuff you just go, uh, no, thank you. Like all of them, but mm -hmm. um, go back and listen to, because this one's free. Go back and listen to the one um, Easter 2020. And it wasn't come follow me specifically as in Book of Mormon, but it was on all the Marys. It was so good. 
that was Tammy's class or yeah oh I thought that was because that was like with Mandy she had she had an author there but that was Tammy's podcast I think Book of Mormon 2020 was her first year doing it okay and her favorite is Old Testament and the Hebrew she sticks in each week is I don't know, you always get a really cool nugget. Like, oh, that's so cool. How come we don't know this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Like some of the, the different connections that some of those, um, what were we talking about? There anyway, that's where I got sparking on the lectures on faith we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she talked about one of the words that she did was Ebenezer um, yeah. from... Uh, come thou found you know we see the ebenezer in there and stuff but um anyway just things that oh i did, never would have thought to, to look that up <laughs> right hmm. yeah um so cool let's see so verse 25 was uh, another great one that i wanted to, to touch on it says so from the above description of the character of deity which is given him in the revelations to men there is a sure foundation for the exercise of faith in him among every people nation kindred from age to age from generation to generation you know i've always kind of thought about that you know in terms of family history work and stuff like that like oh we're so blessed to live in this day and age he must love us more than you know people on an island in the 1700s <laughs> you know kind of like but everyone has the same opportunities to, to come to him. And, uh, you know, we've got to take time out of the, the mix, right? Like, it's got to be this one internal round principle. But that he's no respecter of persons. That every people, nation, kindred, from age to age, generation to generation, black and white, bond and free, everyone has the same privileges to come to God and exercise faith with authority like anyway that that was a, a huge um thing for me and i think that that's one of, of satan's biggest tools right is separating us out uh into cliques and groups and races and, and things and hyper focusing on god's love for one versus the other mm -hmm. but yet god is no respecter of persons and honestly believing that principle to its fullest extent, even from generation to generation, and that we have sins and iniquities that play out in, in the scheme of things, but yet we all still have equal access to God. I, I, I find that principle just kind of mind-blowing. Well, and he's, he's going to make us super special because the Antichrist will come see us first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> target on it yeah <laughs> game on because <laughs> i've always thought okay these guys are just going to be over in their little island like whoa we don't live there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah sometimes we we kind of take a look around but you know like america has has had a lot of peace and uh you know i grew up in in a time of of peace that oh sometimes you're just seeing it on the news or like <laughs> far away kind of thing it's like it's gonna be interesting how it all plays out <laughs> it is i think it's gonna be pretty like <laughs> really yeah it's just like the scripture is sad <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and so yeah i think there was a few times at like education week whether it was a presenter whether it was like people talking or whatever of um when let's see how do i phrase this because i haven't like tried to see so like when prophets disagree right like there's seeming paradoxes or contradictions between prophets throughout the dispensation and so like well which one's right which one you know like because everybody's human right so well, and now you said the Wilford Woodruff stuff is like all messed up. Like there's this now that you're like, well, this this is gonna make it a little easier for some of it, you know, if they uh -huh. fix it. And, yeah. But 
Satan probably is wiggling in there trying to pervert just as much as he can. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> I can get him to write this a little bit different, you know, whatever he did. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that that is an, another truth that we need to take time and, and wrestle with. Like, is mm -hmm. Satan the same today, yesterday, and forever? like he has the same plans like if he took and with conspiring men took things changed things and and thwarted some scriptures from having the truth the full truth right and he did is he doing it in the restoration as well and how do we combat that with the principles that we learn here in lecture third mm -hmm. that god is no respecter of persons that he's going to have himself available to all of the prophets and and to us and and everything and and we can get in touch with the same testator the holy ghost and the holy spirit to witness of the same principles that were revealed to the former saints as he was to the latter-day saints etc like I, that was like another big aha moment to me of oh, like no me too when you wow. said that i was like holy cannoli some of the things we read are perverted, you know, or tainted, whatever. Yeah. They're in your like, face right here now. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Like, you know, not to go on full on conspiracy stuff, but like with the Joseph Smith Foundation and the research they've done into um, uh, Leonard Harrington, church historian, you know, like he actively changed a lot of church history um, during was I can't remember exactly what time frame 70s 80s sometime in that time frame but like we have conspiring men mm -hmm. Satan is is alive and well and he's he's kind of got the same game plan yeah. as he always has yep but anyway yes. to that's why it's so important President mm -hmm. Nelson's principle hear him yeah. yep focus on Christ and we do have prophets. We can look and trust Joseph Smith and his prophecies and, and things, his mm -hmm. teachings. But like nothing, nothing compares to just going straight to the source. And that's what Lecture Third teaches us, that we all have equal access to that source. You know, like <laughs> that's quite amazing because we, we know quite a few things and we assume quite a few things about President Nelson and his access to, to deity, right? right. And, and he's just saying, it works. You can There's do. a pattern. You guys <laughs> yeah. can do it too. I'm a living example of it right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love it. That's why, I mean, lecture third, they're all my favorite, but I mean, lecture third is, is such a great one to unpack some of those unbeliefs that I have put on myself throughout the years. And it helps just work through those and, and get those taken care of. yeah okay so good oh. cameron um so on those like with wilfred woodrow's journals the ones that he's writing the stuff they're okay it's when he would give talks and that he had a scribe that would put down what he had said and that that's where the conflict is right yeah so like i have like the recordings from that class and stuff and you'll be able to listen to her telling it i'm just going to be paraphrasing kind of thing but so along with the wilford woodruff project they're also taking a look not at only his journals but also his talks that there's kind of three main re they call them reporters but people that are taking shorthand and, you know, it's basically verbatim what he said as he's talking over the pulpit, right? Because with shorthand, you can right. speed record some of the stuff, with, which they didn't have a lot of shorthand in Joseph Smith's day. And so we don't have a lot of verbatim. But yet by Wilfred Woodruff's time, they have Pittman shorthand and Taylor shorthand, which give us like pretty much word for word um, if they're doing it accurately, we assume, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of those... Uh, and I forget what his name is. I have it in my notes and stuff. But one of the reporters or the shorthanders was um, kind of like this basically church historian, like gathering lots of all of these talks and stuff because they were hired 
um, by the, the church to just go around as these authorities are traveling to different state conferences and area things or whatever. And so they're, they're just kind of on staff. But anyway, he has a disagreement with Brigham Young about something or other, and he gets fired. But he still wants to compile all of these words. And we don't know exactly if it was because of that beef or whatever. But anyway, mm -hmm. he says, I want to compile the journal of discourses of all the early church leaders and stuff and create a volume set and everything. And Brigham Young says, absolutely not. Like, no, especially the way that you've done it. And so um, he goes over to England and publishes them. But what this lady, this presenter was doing was putting them up side by side, looking at the shorthand that he took and what he actually put in the Journal of Discourses. And there's like doctrinal discrepancies. There's things that are added. There's things that are taken away. Wow. Um, but I mean, you take this talk and I mean, it's wildly different from column to column here. And um, like, like I said, there was one person at the end of class that was asking a question. And they're like, so is the Journal of Discourses still relevant to study today? And she's like, no. Like, it can be as damaging as the, uh, the tainted parts of the Apocrypha. If you don't study it with the spirit, you don't know what was taken mm -hmm. out. If you're just putting full trust into things... There was conspiring men that took things out, changed doctrines, et cetera. And so um, we've never had somebody go through and actually transcribe all of the original shorthand. And that's what's being done now with the Wilford Woodruff Project and Joseph Smith papers. And now we're going to be able to see the real discourses as they were given. Um, you know, there's still things missing. I mean, um, they said it was just two years ago that they found a bunch of these shorthand journals in somebody's yeah. attic or whatever so i mean there's still manuscripts and shorthand things that we're missing but um anyway we'll be able to see with with time the original talks how they were actually given um she said that many people that leave the church off of quotes from brethren uh, if you really take a look at the quotes they are being misquoted in the Journal of Discourses, and that's what's throwing people off. Mm -hmm. And so it can be very damaging if you're not interpreting them by the Spirit and realizing what was actually said versus what was not. I can remember when the group size in, people would put in memes, you know, of whatever someone said, and someone said, oh, don't ever go by those, because look, and he'd point out. Yeah slight changes you know like that's not what that says so don't be posting those around yeah it's like yep those can be so damaging like that one I, I forget what it was even on but it was somebody quoting Kimball and they had actually oh, just, and changed yeah. a whole bunch yeah there was one like that today yeah Kimball it's like you just can't believe everything that's on the internet but like this problem has been it has ancient roots Satan's always been doing it he right. gets something going on where people just fudge a little bit of the quote and well, just run with it. That's kind of like when I was listening to the Marys, the Tammy podcast on the Marys, and I'm like, oh, these guys have really studied it out. And I'm like, they have totally manipulated the New Testament to be yeah. stuff is like, taken. Mary away. Magdalene was never a harlot. Like right. that was You're gonna love that podcast. Really <laughs> yeah. like oh this is so good i took like pages and pages of notes on it mm. yeah but it, yeah she it, was totally misrepresented as like when i watched the chosen everybody's like oh that's so good and i'm like is that true <laughs> she didn't do all that <laughs> they're like looking at me like they've been raised to think <laughs> But yeah, you know that they're just going off of the New Testament yeah. accounts that we have, right? Like, right. But yeah, uh, some things are are definitely manipulated and changed. And so, uh, you know, grateful for Joseph Smith. You know, we believe the Bible as long as it's translated correctly. But right, it, it we always have to get in tune with the same spirit in which it was given and connect with heaven, hear him, and right, it's all good from there. But I, I don't know. I always love and celebrate every time that I'm unable to 
to reverse something that I grew up thinking or whatever right like there's just little things that that come along and I'm just so thankful for little nuggets here and there and that's why I love education week because you have all of these scholars who are doing their best right I mean sometimes they're wrong until they figure out that you know something's there but but there's just constant people studying the scriptures putting a lot of effort into things and finding these nuggets throughout history and and stuff Mm -hmm. things have been changed Mm -hmm. um like Kerry Mielstein on his book of Abraham he's like interpreting the facsimile to the circle one you know oh yeah (laughs) there was some excellent insights but then he said this one section here it's just gobbledygook it doesn't say anything and I'm like Kerry really I mean like (laughs) we have like revealed stuff on it Joseph Smith says what it is and and yet you want to agree with it like whatever you know it's just people learning right right yep but anyway it was just so fun to like I said, I, I just celebrate every time that I'm able to like unpack something and like, oh, that wasn't right, but now this is or whatever. Yeah, you got, I was just thinking you're probably feeling a little bit, oh, that's over, but you're not. You're like, I've got all this stuff to go through. Yeah, no, like it, it takes a full year to just like get yeah. through vacation week. <laughs> you know how after you have a big vacation, you've been looking forward to your whole year and you're like, then you're home and you're like, <laughs> I have to wait another year. Yeah. I was just thinking, no, you've got all these these notes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's super fun, you know, like you have education week is kind of your main one. And then you have the two general conferences. And then, you know, there's like Sperry Symposium or things here and there, or you know, people writing books, but like seriously, I mean, there's just so much to learn all the time. It's a little daunting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear about the the light yeah spiritual physics of light was amazing and he's such a dynamic presenter too like he's amazing just as a a person a lecturer yeah yeah but that's like one of my favorite books holy god there's so many (laughs) 